Welcome to All Things Criminal. Hey guys, and welcome back to All Things Criminal. Today we're talking about COVID-19 behind bars. And I know this might seem a little bit late in the pandemic era, but now is actually a really important time to address this, and that's because the rates of COVID have soared in prisons recently. And it's soared to the point where researchers are actually saying that in the past few weeks, the numbers have now surpassed what we saw in the entire first nine months of the pandemic. So it's really important to talk about this right now and to go over why this is happening and what we need to do. So as usual, I'm going to give you guys an update on the current COVID situation in Canadian prisons, and then we'll have an anonymous guest today who will give us some firsthand insight into having COVID-19 while incarcerated. So as of February 18th, 2021, there's been a total of 1,304 positive COVID cases among our federal institutions. Now, this number I took directly from the Correctional Services Canada website, but I'll break it down by province. So there's been 300 positive cases in Quebec, 178 in Ontario, 370 in Manitoba, 257 in Saskatchewan, 74 in Alberta, and 125 in British Columbia. Now I do want to point out, those numbers don't necessarily mean active cases. That means anyone who has tested positive, so many of those have tested negative since. But what I did find strange was that on the same government website, there was a link called Message from the Commissioner. And when I clicked that, I saw a quote from Ann Kelly that says, In terms of active cases among inmates, there are currently nine active cases at one institution in Alberta. We no longer have positive cases at any other institution across the country. End quote. Now, the way COVID-19 information is relayed really lacks transparency, in my opinion, because it's really hard to figure out how many active cases currently exist. But to me, the statement by Ann Kelly just cannot be true. Um, that's based on the fact that I personally know somebody who is currently positive with COVID in prison. Um, the fact that our guest today has a relative that's currently positive with COVID in prison but also that institutions like Maplehurst Correctional Center and Thunder Bay District Jail are currently battling outbreaks. So immediately when doing this research, I feel concerned about prisons prioritizing their reputations over the health of people. Or maybe I'm really missing something that explains her statement, but all I know is that there are active cases of COVID-19 and it's an issue that needs to be addressed quickly. To really drive that point home, um, because that statement to me was really concerning, Maplehurst Correctional Center is the institution that our guest will actually talk about today, and it's where there's currently a hunger strike happening, and that's to demand access to hygiene products and protection against COVID-19. So I've actually linked that petition in the show notes, so I'd really appreciate it if you guys could take a look and sign it if you agree. Um, and then in terms of Thunder Bay, just this week there's been 23 inmates who tested positive, and the jail has actually requested resources, and the province has failed to respond yet. And then to really drive the point home, there's also a class action lawsuit starting against Stony Mountain Institution, and that's for their negligence in releasing an inmate who had COVID-19 symptoms into the general population without a COVID test, 
and it resulted in a, an outbreak, obviously. Um, but that certification hearing won't be held until 2022. So we do know that COVID is a huge issue in prisons, and we know that these rates are increasing exponentially. But let's talk about what's going on as a result of this. So visitations are currently suspended, but this affects a lot more than what we think when we first hear it. So firstly, it means no family visitations. So inmates can use phones to contact family if the lines aren't too long, but they have to pay for these calling minutes somehow, um, which is really hard because work programs have also been suspended. Uh, just also a little side note about Bell Let's Talk campaign, shout out for having a mental health campaign and not donating any of your proceeds to the exact population that you profit off of. <clears throat> Anyways, point is inmates don't have any reliable contact with their families right now. Secondly, this suspension of visitation includes volunteers. So this means that any program that relies on volunteers, including Alcohols Anonymous, are temporarily suspended. So as you can imagine, inmates are already losing contact with their family, and now people suffering from things like alcoholism, substance abuse, PTSD, have also suddenly lost their support groups. So this is incredibly detrimental to the mental health of inmates right now. And then thirdly, this suspension of visitations also included legal counsel. Now this one's really important. Right now, inmates must solely rely on phones to communicate with their legal counsel. Now, Correctional Services Canada website makes a very vague statement that if an inmate can't afford a calling card, which many can't because the work programs are suspended, then the staff will provide access, and I quote, when practicable. Now, access to legal counsel is something that concerns every Canadian citizen, and this to me just really shows how much we need to stay critical and pay attention to prison regulations that are being passed under the umbrella of accentuated circumstances due to COVID-19. Legal counsel should never be denied. It is a human right and it needs to be protected. Now recently, CBC has held phone interviews with inmates from Joyceville and Toronto South, and I want to highlight a few complaints noted by these inmates to sort of paint the picture from the inside for you. The first was that the guards are inconsistent with wearing their masks. The second was that inmates are not provided with reliable access to masks or hygiene products. The third was that the isolation rooms for those infected with COVID are in the same range as those of healthy inmates. And then lastly, that there's an extensive reliance on lockdowns. So when someone tests positive for COVID, the entire block needs to be locked down, and that means people staying in their cells up to 23 hours a day and being denied reliable access to showers. So this being said, I will do my due diligence and outline a few things that Correctional Services Canada has done, uh, just to be fair. So as of today, about 600 vaccinations have been given to the highest risk inmate population. Red Cross is now working with prisons to provide advice and aid on this issue. Cleaning protocols have been increased. And a really great one is that thousands of low-risk offenders have been given early release to reduce overcrowding. Uh, that one's actually kind of funny because early release is something that CSC has been denying and saying is impossible for years. Um, but actually, it's been really successful since the start, so I really hope that those numbers keep increasing. But with all that being said, I want to turn to our guest today 
and really get a firsthand account of this issue and how it's affected her and her family. So do you want to start by maybe in the story how he like, like contacted COVID if you know and then how the prison responded? Okay, sure. So about approximately about a month ago, um, my husband called me saying that he was not feeling very well. But at that time, they all been tested and he tested negative. So I said, well, it could be just be could be coming down with something, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I only hear from him about once a week. So um, the following Friday, he says, I don't feel good at all. Um, and he said that um, is the, uh, there's a prisoner beside him in the next cell. Um, he had all symptoms of COVID. At this time, everybody had tested negative, but they didn't retest the inmates. Okay. And he wasn't feeling good. He was calling the guards for help. Nobody came. The next morning, the nurse came to give him meds. He was dead in his cell. The the man in the cell beside your husband? Yeah. yeah. He was like, not, not his cellmate, but the cell beside him. Wow. Okay. But they're all bars. So when with some coughs, it spreads. Right. Yeah. So um, he... This happened on the Thursday. I was talking to him on the Friday. He told me this happened. Meanwhile, I'm talking to him and he sounded like death on the phone. Like he's talking. I could hear it. Like he was coughing like every 30 seconds. Right. And I was terrified because um, he had health issues a year and a half ago, which we had to take him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't as scared as I was for him at this time because I knew he wasn't going to get medical care. Right. So the nurse would come in once once a day and ask him like how he's feeling and everything. Meanwhile, they all every everybody got tested for COVID and they all um, got got tested positive. Right. And he was telling me how sick he was. His oxygen levels went down to eighty five percent. Jeez. And so if they're having symptoms, they're not giving them another test. No. That, well, they 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 had symptoms, so they tested everybody and they all tested positive. All positive or all negative? Sorry. All positive. The second time they tested, everybody tested positive. Okay. The first time they tested everybody, everybody came back negative. But then some of the guys came um, or starting to get sick. So they retested everybody and everybody tested positive. Okay. And then I was talking to my husband on the phone and he sounded so bad. You could hear it in his lungs. I think he developed pneumonia, but I would not know. Um, He was coughing like every 30 seconds and he was so short of breath. Yeah. And because of his oxygen levels so, was so depleted, so low that like just trying to be able to carry a conversation with him, like he was, you can hear that he was trying to process mm-hmm. the words and it was just not happening. And um, the judge wanted his lawyer to have a video call with him because he had court the next week, right? Okay. And he called the, the his lawyer called up Maplehurst to do a video call that the, the prison denied him to have a video call. What was their so reasoning? He, they have no reason whatsoever. No reason. Did the lawyer right say now, like, isn't, isn't that like a human rights violation? Exactly, exactly. They have not been able to contact their lawyers whatsoever. Just recently, they have been able to call right. the, the, the lawyers, but only only on the, the, the booked phone. Yeah. Because like yesterday was the first time I heard from my husband in nine days. So that means he hasn't had a shower in nine days. They've been on he's lockdown? Been in lockdown, correct. He's been in the same clothes for 46 days. And that he's means- currently positive with COVID sick? Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
That's crazy. He's been in the same clothes for 40, 46 days. No, no clean underwear, no clean socks, nothing. He hasn't had clean, no clean um linen since before Christmas. And then you then then you then you hear that um, the, the um, CEO's going and saying that we're doing everything we can. They're not doing everything they can. They already have nine violations. Just the staff alone have nine violations of um, health violations. That's not even counting. They haven't done with the inmates of what they're doing with the inmates. Right. And is your husband in like a health ward right now or he's confined in his cell? No, no, he's confined to a cell. He, he, he's let out um, once a week to once every 10 days to have a shower and to make a phone call. Yesterday he called, he had a, um, cause there are 20 minute phone calls, but he's cut off after 12 minutes to be, to put back in a cell again. Right. Well, that's something like I was doing some research before um, when I actually found out about the Maplehurst petition and it was yeah. saying that they're, yeah, they're resorting to lockdowns as the only health measure when there's an outbreak, but then it's like yeah. these, they're all being denied their hygiene. They are, they're being denied hygiene they're, and even, even access to phone calls. Like it doesn't take much for mm. them to make a phone call, right? Yeah. How he was doing from day to day, like knowing how sick he was. Yeah, especially after knowing somebody has passed away. I can't even imagine the stress of yeah. that. Oh, I know. And yeah. just, just the worry, like just how he's doing or just like their own, their own mental health. Like it yeah. doesn't matter what they're all in there for, right? They're still humans. And, and right now they're all being denied their basic human rights. Like he wasn't even, like he hasn't had toilet paper in so long. Oh my God. So long. And they have had no soap. And he was trying to access hand sanitizer yeah. from canteen. But they've been out of um, hand sanitizer since October. Yeah, yeah. Like, no wonder they have an outbreak. Yeah. So has the prison like contacted any members of the family to say how they're addressing this outbreak, or they're just no, kind of leaving nothing, you guys? Nothing. 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 They won't tell you nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And I I wrote a letter. Like they stopped letters going in for like three or four weeks. What was they, the they reason? Your guess is as good as mine. That's so absurd. Right now, right now, it's it's not really about COVID. It's about control. They're they're using COVID to their utmost advantage right now, and they're getting away with it because people from the outside can't go in to, to say, "Well, it's not happening." My husband's lawyer called the prison to to see, like, why aren't they being let out to have a shower and phone call? He talked to one, talked to the warden. The warden wasn't there, in obviously, so we talked to the um. The deputy warden and the ward deputy warden is like basically reading off a script. He told me, okay. saying that they're being let being let out every every three days for a shower, and if they're not and if they're not making phone call, well then that's on them. Yeah, which is absolute BS. Yeah, they all would be if they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was one of the concerns. So I was on the Correctional Services Canada website, and mm-hmm. yeah, one one thing I thought was really concerning was that script that you're talking about. It's like all of their statements were so vague yeah and like one of them said because like you mentioned access to lawyers is being denied and they said yeah. that they'll provide like telephone calls but that's they're not doing that calls. they're not doing that exactly and it shouldn't be on the seals my, my husband's been asking for 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 quite a while to mm. make a phone call he goes later 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 they're saying later but later never happens yeah and and your husband is so he's in the process still of going through trial well, we're not doing a trial. We're doing um, a plea deal. And he hasn't been sentenced yet. He, he'll be in a, a year now. 
Yeah. And he hasn't had his sentencing yet. No. Yeah. See, even that, it's like, I don't understand how that's not a rights violation. Everything is just moving at slow pace right now. Right. Um, and yeah. so well, how- he, was, he had court last month, but he hadn't talked to his lawyer. Right. And that's when he hadn't talked to his lawyer and he was so sick. Yeah. And um, his like, auction level was so low because it was all, it's all video court, not video court, audio court. Right. So he postponed it and that's when it's going to be for this month. Yeah. And, and yeah. how's your husband doing now? Is he getting better or you haven't heard? He's, yeah, he sounds a lot better. He sounds a lot better. It's just the mental aspect of it right now, which is understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I saw, is that hunger strike at Maplehurst still happening or is it over? It's still happening. Okay. It's still happening. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like what anybody listening to the podcast can do, they like signing the petition. Do you know, like, have you spoken to any other people who have family in there? Are they writing letters or what can we do? Um, I know a few people in there who have family in there because I, I'm on um, um, a group online. Yeah. There's not like people have signed petitions and stuff like that, but nothing right now, nothing is being done. Right. Like not like as as far as I know, um, nothing has changed. Yeah, that's such like a hard one to address, and like it's hard if it's like the immediate family can't get info. It's like how do we get the public to rally behind this to change? Oh, it? I know, I exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and like we don't, I don't know when visits are going to go back on. I don't. It's not even the visits. Just being able to talk to him, right? Yeah. And him being able to, because he says the lockdowns are one thing, but not being able to call not being able to know how I'm doing it's it's him being able to call and me being able to like once a week at that and giving a week's worth of stuff I'm going with doing with the kids yeah right? that's what like, I was gonna ask about too is like how this affects you having two kids at home well I'm 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 thankful in a way that my kids are so young that they don't know what's going on but that's to my advantage but he's also missed out on so much yeah. too so just being able to fill him in on like in like 12 minutes yeah of a week's worth of stuff right it's it's tough it's tough yeah absolutely I think not not being kept in the loop with family is I think something that until you have family in there people don't understand but I even remember my, my brother was arrested I didn't even know like where to call to know where he was and then you'd have no idea how their health is. And it's like, you shouldn't have to sit at home not knowing if your husband's okay. Exactly. And, and they treat you like crap. Like they literally, they treat me like crap. Every time I call there, like before, like when I'd book a point, like not book appointment, book a visit. Mm-hmm. Like they're basically yelling at me on the phone. It's like, like what? Like what's Yeah, like as if you're being a nuisance. But yeah, we're, we're, we're managing. We're managing. Would yeah. you be comfortable like saying that when you said you wanted to remain anonymous out of fear of retaliation, is this something that the lawyer said, or is your husband scared? Like, both, how real is that? Both, both, both. Like, my my husband's worried about like the CEOs getting reading, hearing this, and then him being picked up on it, like him being attacked. And not not the inmates. It's 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 them. Like, I wrote him a letter about three weeks ago, and I basically let him know like because I know everything's getting it gets read over right when he goes in it gets read over and I told them like basically that his lawyer called and the warden's reading off the script and yada yada like basically my frustrations about what's going on mm-hmm. you know what they did is they they got a pen and they scribbled all through my letter to him yep 
they gave it to him, but they scribbled all through the letter to let them know, like, yeah. Because you spoke negatively about the prison? Because I spoke negatively about what's going on in there. They got my letter and they scribbled all through it. Yeah, like, these are things where I'm like, I, I don't understand how these aren't rights abuse. So if, they're, if they're doing that, like, I didn't say anything that, that was out of place. Yeah. I just spoke the truth of what's going on. Yeah. And then that makes me wonder, like, how many letters are they not putting through if they can't even relay that information? Yeah. Oh, I know. And I, and I, and I really didn't think the letter was going to go through, but. I also wanted to ask, so when I was reading online, it was saying that like so many uh, things because of COVID have been paused. Our work programs, if they're in lockdown. There's nothing going on right now. Like he was doing Bible studies and like, he hasn't gotten any books coming in whatsoever. Nothing. So for him to even get money on his phone card, is that now fully reliant on you? Because right now, like it's it's collect calls, right? So he calls me. I have a check like, a trap line, and he calls in. Like that's that's more fed where I put money on his I put money on his canteen. Okay. But I um I put money a money order in two and a um, half weeks ago. He hasn't even gotten it yet. It's at the prison, but they haven't processed so it yet. Yeah, because yeah. I was just thinking about people who like don't have family, and if the work programs are stopped, they can't buy things like soap or. Oh, I know. Yeah. They don't, they don't get, they have um, every inmate in there gets a $20 um, calling card a month, which go, which gets addressed for the first of the month. Okay. Is that new? But is they that don't, a COVID or that's? Oh, I think it's a COVID thing. Okay, good. But yeah. Yeah. Not that $20 lasts very long, but. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But it's something, I guess. But yeah. as, as, a, as opposed to the um, canteen, I'm waiting for him to get his money go through because he hasn't had canteen yeah. in a month because I'm trying to get money to him. So hopefully, hopefully this weekend he can order stuff on canteen. So, yeah. And then just to like finish, is there anything that like any information that you think people should know that they don't about what's going on at Maplehurst or anything you want to say? It's, it's worse than you could possibly imagine. Um, the way that the inmates are being treated is like, honest to God, I, you would think that it was a third world country. I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that this is happening right here in Canada, in Ontario. It like, angers me to a core. Like I, this is my first time ever having to go through this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is new, but it's, it was bad when he first in there, went in there, but it's gotten heck of a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's something that over the next few weeks, I'm really hoping will spread over at least maybe yeah. social media and we can start, you know, mm-hmm. holding these prisons accountable. And yeah. well, I hope that everyone listening will go and sign that petition. And I, I really hope your husband you. has a full recovery. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you again for sticking with me through this episode because I know that COVID fatigue is real and we're tired of hearing about it day in and day out, but you know, it means a lot to take the time to learn about this issue and because it is really time sensitive right now. So I posted a link again to that Maplehurst petition. You know, going and signing that is a great way to make a difference, uh, especially right on the spot. And also, if you guys have other initiatives that are going on, please reach out. I'd love to share them. So today I'll just leave with the reminder that you can tell a lot about a society based on how we're treating our vulnerable population. And as Canadians, we have a lot of work to do. So keep doing your good work, guys. Until next time.